Ladies and gentlemen, the creator of Mickey Mouse and the Silly Symphony cartoons, Mr. Walt Disney. In fact, we selected this site because it's so easy for tourists and Florida residents to get here by automobile. Let me introduce myself. I am the prisoner teleportation officer. Sergeant C4703 BK2704-9021. Professor Brainer, attention, Professor Brainer. Please bring some flubber to the brainstorm meeting. Those attending would like to bounce a few ideas around. Thank you. You're listening to Disney Radio, Florida's in-car welcoming station. My name is Bud, and during the next few minutes, you'll be hearing lots of valuable information about the magic of... W, w Radio, your information station. Hello and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 276 for the week of May 27th, 2012. For those listening in the United States, this Monday is Memorial Day where we honor those who have served. And I ask that today and always we remember the fallen, the heroes, the sacrifices, and the families. On to this week's show, we're going to take a unique tour around World Showcase in Epcot as we encourage you to put down the guide map and take some time to explore, learn, discover, and enjoy some of the many wonderful nooks and crannies of World Showcase. From tucked away corners to little details, hidden treasures, educational opportunities, places to just get away, and other opportunities to discover and learn, World Showcase has many experiences that you won't necessarily find on a park map. I'll also ask you to share your favorite out-of-the-way spot or nook as well. I'll then have the answer and winner for last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week and pose a new one for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned for just a couple of quick announcements before I play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I've always believed and endorsed visiting Walt Disney World not to try and cram in as many attractions as you can in a few hours or days, but instead to enjoy the parks themselves. They're meant to be wandered and explored and actually discovered because there are so many hidden treasures and out-of-the-way places that you sometimes have to either seek out or maybe even accidentally discover in order to find and enjoy them. And while I've spoken in the past about taking the time to put away the map and explore places like Disney's Animal Kingdom, another place you may not realize many of these sort of tucked away gems exist is actually World Showcase. And so this week, especially with Epcot's 30th anniversary coming up in just a few months, we're going to tour the promenade and seek out some of our favorite nooks and crannies of World Showcase. And joining me this week is a fellow Walt Disney World enthusiast and explorer, and he is Chuck Lionberger from the Disney Daddy blog. Chuck, welcome back. 
Lou, always a pleasure to be back. And Chuck, you, I think, are very much like me, and one of my favorite things to do in all of Walt Disney World, other than eat, is to simply wander World Showcase, especially at dusk. Okay, yes, I know it's just in time for dinner, of course, but I love just sort of wandering the promenade and wandering through and deep into a lot of these pavilions, because I think a lot of times, Chuck, especially for people who are new to Walt Disney World, they may look down at a map. They may not see an attraction or maybe they aren't ready to eat until they'll walk by or just sort of walk sort of past the out exterior portions of an attraction. But a lot of these are really, you know, the deeper you go through and start wandering through, there's a lot to, to find in there. There's a tremendous amount to find in each of the pavilions uh, here in Epcot. And so many folks will do like we've talked about in other places. They'll race from attraction to attraction to attraction and they won't stop and smell the roses as it is. There are, are nooks, there are crannies, there are little exhibits and displays all throughout each of the pavilions that uh, really give you an, a tremendous story of that host country. And that's really all about Epcot, is understanding the story and understanding the culture of the host country. So skipping these little uh, areas, a lot of times you're really missing the best part. Yeah, and I agree because I think they're rich in opportunity for discovery and exploration and even education. And I think if you seek out some of the de these details and these hidden treasures that we're going to talk about, especially talk to the cast members. I mean, you learn about them by talking with them through their culture, through their art that's on display there, through the history. And yeah, I mean, I say it half-jokingly, but through the food as well, too, sort of sampling as you go through. And a lot of these things may not necessarily be specific things to uh, take in or to interact with, or they're not maybe necessarily an attraction or show, but it could be a section of a pavilion. It could be something that you may not have discovered was there, maybe because it doesn't appear on a map, maybe because it's something that, even if it did, may not have appealed to you, and maybe sometimes because some of these things are little details or little discoveries that you can make the more time you spend just sort of wandering through. Yeah, a lot of these are just wonderful little hidden gems that as you walk through, you will, will accidentally discover, and that's part of the magic of it. You're not going to find them on a park map. You might not even find them on a particular you know, website, something like that. Uh, it's really something you have to discover, and I'm glad you mentioned it because the cast members really are one of those number one overlooked experiences when it comes to World Showcase. The cast members who are there, who are from the host countries, provide so much more story about those host countries. The thing about talking to, to them and talking to as many as you can is that they each have a different story to tell. They don't have a script that they're narrating through about their country. So you might find a server at San Angel that's going to tell you about her personal story or about the food, and you may talk to somebody else that is going to share something completely different. So I, I encourage you, especially if you have kids, for them to start talking to and asking questions to as many cast members as possible but you're right so the first stop of our tour and we're going to take this in a clockwise fashion starting from mexico as you come from future world uh, you know for a lot of people chuck mexico you know you see this beautiful this very mysterious looking mesoamerican pyramid outside they know the grand fiesta tour with the three caballero is a big uh, it's, it's one of the attractions in world showcase that has an appeal to kids and adults too but inside i think there is so much here to discover because you've got the attraction, you've got the restaurant, you've got the tequila bar, the sort of the uh, the tequila cave inside, and 
both the Plaza de los Amigos and even the artwork before you uh, get into the plaza are things that are attractions unto themselves, and there are little nooks and crannies in the plaza as well. Oh, first and foremost, you know, for the Mexico Pavilion, you have to just stop and enjoy the splendor that is the inside of that Mexico Pavilion. It it just might win the award for the for the best overall theming of all the pavilions because when you step out you step into that pavilion you get this whole sense of a mexican village at night uh and especially if you're going during the holidays it's it's plussed up even 10 times more i think you're right i think it may very well be and there's maybe one or other one we can discuss about the best interior space correct as far as the use of the pavilion yeah so that alone is a really a nook and cranny because you want to stop and just appreciate everything that you see there that's that's inside that whole pavilion you know kind of a, the vista as it is uh one wonderful little nook and cranny and a lot of people will overlook it is the fountain that's right there at the um, at the base of the 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 stairs there as you're you're walking down it has a wonderful little blue lighting to it so if you can can get the family uh, situated just right there in the fountain have them looking up as you're over top uh in the little uh, uh balcony there overlooking the whole veranda and if you can Get your camera set in a nice slow exposure. You can get a really beautiful shot with the water that is blue uh, and lit blue underneath. It's a really, really pretty uh, photo to get. But all along the floor there are these little stands and kiosks with, again, cast members from Mexico who are offering different wares, but they're all traditional wares from Mexico. And so you get to see some of the different products and, uh, and different items that are produced in Mexico and, and that Mexico is uh, very well known for. You know, I can just think of one right off the top of my head. It's these you know, little pinatas. And, and one time I happened to be down there, we saw these old Donald pinatas because of course he plays very prominently in the pavilion. And they were just great little pieces. I'm thinking, you know, I could just hang that up, you know, kind of in a corner of an office somewhere and just kind of leave it there. And it's a really cool piece to showcase not only you know the Mexico pavilion, but also you've got a little Donald duck there. So you got a little Disney work in there. Uh, as well, and that's just one little element of all of these different pieces that are going on uh, in the different little trades that are going on from the the artisans and craftsmen there on the in the pavilion. Yeah, and what I like too about the plaza, again, you're right. It it gives you this experience of being in this uh, Mexican shopping plaza with the twilight sky, the music behind you. You're in the shadow of the other pyramid that's on the shores of, I, I still call, call it El Rio del Tiempo. But there's so many different things that you can get. And if you have kids or if you are one of those people who likes to sort of tour around the world and, and pick up a little souvenir, there are so many great things that you can get that are not very expensive in there as well, too, that are, are handmade things. They've got these little, um, these little soft hand-woven balls that are about $4 each, uh, very brightly covered. They say Mexico on it. It's something that you feel as though you would get if you're in one of these outdoor markets. If you went uh, to Mexico somewhere, there's little tambourines and there you can get little sample bottles of tequila, whatever it is. Uh, if you want to go and wear your sombrero around World Showcase, usually that happens when you're drinking around the world, you end up getting the sombrero. But there's a lot of little things you can get in there as well, too. Um, I think that you're right. It's It almost doesn't seem like it's a nook and cranny because it is so much right in your face. But I think rather than blowing past all the kiosks in the plaza, you should take some time and wander around and see and sample some of the things they have for sale on there. 
Oh, without a doubt. In fact, there's another, and it's uh, at one point I think it was down on the floor, and, and with the some of the new refurbs, I think it moved up into the plaza up above. Are the is the wood carving station that's there? With you got a cast member who was carving these wooden animals, and interestingly enough, and I think I've got this story correctly, that in Mexico it's part of the culture that you know if you're carving a an animal out of a block of wood, you're actually helping to capture the spirit of that animal, and that's part of the culture, and you you would learn that by striking up a conversation with a cast member and, and you learn about it and talk about it. Yeah, and my kids who are six and eight have spoken to the Oaxacan woodcarvers and really enjoyed just sort of learning more about what they were doing. Something else you should look for a little, it's not really a look, nook and cranny, but as you're walking in, see if you can find something called the Sunstone. It's an Aztec calendar that sort of marks the way into, it's called the Plaza of the Friends, the Plaza de los Amigos, a little something you can sort of try and seek mm-hmm. out as uh, as you make your way in. All right, let's move down over to Norway. Again, the Norway Pavilion representing this small seaside village honoring really the, the history of the, the seafaring people, the traditions of that country. I love this pavilion from its exterior because it represents so many different re- regions uh, dominated not by the series just of the shops, but that replica of the giant 14th century castle and church. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear for, for you, Chuck, what you think is the little nook and cranny here? Because I think there are actually potentially a, a few. Oh, there are quite a few in this pavilion. And again, for the same reason that you know everybody is immediately making a beeline to Maelstrom, which no problem, it's a great attraction. But you go blow right by this beautiful, ornate wooden structure. It's called the Stave Church. And inside is a little kind of mini museum with... Uh, pieces showcasing different bits of really well-known uh, figures from Norwegian history, like Eric the Red uh, and others like that. So you you have these life-size created um, maquettes or you know or, or statues uh, on these various pieces of of Norwegian history. And you actually, as you walk through it, you'll be actually able to see actual relics from. You know, the early Norwegian time, you know, these are relics that are 2,000 years old or something like that. And here they are. They're on display here at Epcot, and you can just walk right up and see a true piece of ancient history right before you. Yeah, this is a replica of uh, the original Gallstave Church, which is found in Oslo, Norway. And these have uh, the significance of it for the Norwegian people is great because these were sort of iconic buildings found in most Norwegian villages throughout Norway. But now there's only about 30 of them that remain. I think there's only 28 or so. And I think a lot of people walk past and yeah, they may look and they see what this building is. But it's like it's like a Willy Wonka building because you walk in, it looks so small from the outside. And then you walk in and there's this relatively large exhibit, this Vikings Conquerors of the Sea exhibit that doesn't just have the... Um, uh, some of the, the weapons and things like that, but there are full-scale replicas of Eric the Red and King Olaf and Rongvald. And and Disney did, as they always do, a, a lot of real due diligence to everything from the clothing styles and the fabrics and the type of artifacts that they use in there. And we actually did on the show, and I'm going to link to a couple of things I talk about today in the show notes. We did a, a segment with someone who was from Norway and we walked the entire Norway pavilion to talk about how real and how authentic the pavilion is. And we talked about these stave churches and how they were a prominent part of Norwegian culture and history and how few there are now, but how well this pavilion represented. 
the Norwegian culture. And one of the things I like too, uh, we're talking about nooks and crannies. If you walk on the side of the Stave Church, there is a bronze statue of Greta Weitz. She was a Norwegian marathoner. Mm -hmm. And if you look, uh, as you're walking from Mexico towards Norway, if you look in the back where the old, and it's unfortunate that the old playground on the Viking ship isn't there anymore. But on the building, which was originally supposed to be a building for the Denmark Pavilion, we can talk about World Showcase history at another time. If you look, uh, there is a a roof that's actually made from real sod and grass because that is one of the things you would find in Norway normally being trimmed and maintained by goats that would walk up on the roofs but of course now Disney trims them very well it's a little detail it's a little sort of tucked away nook and cranny grab your lefsa from the the Kringla Bakery and uh, and sort of wander and explore a little bit and wander inside too Uh, if you've never been inside the um the Akershus Royal Banquet Hall, that's a place that's really oh, done yeah. well with a lot of beautiful, I mean, d- just architecturally, Disney did such a great job of representing these heavy stones and woods and tile works. So you've got this sense of the medieval castle really going on inside uh, and outside. They use a lot of natural elements to create the exterior from the waterfalls to the sod-laden roof. And I think they do... Uh, a really good job, and, and so did our, our friend from Norway. He said, yeah, that this these are the kind of things that you would find as you wander through Norway as well. Yeah, Norway itself also just has some other little nooks and crannies. One is a, is a great little piece. You know, is you see all these people who are just lining up, waiting to get into Maelstrom off on the, the left-hand side. You can see this, there's this beautiful waterfall and actually watch the boats from Norway as they're coming up from past the 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 frozen tundra scene and getting ready to go down the waterfall, you just watch the boats as they kind of pass by, but it's a, a nice little peaceful place that if you just want to kind of sit and chill for a little bit and maybe in, enjoy a little bit of uh, a school bread or something like that over in, uh, uh, from Norway uh, and from the Kringle of Acre, uh, nice place to just kind of sit down and, and chill out and relax. Yeah, so let's move down the promenade a little bit farther down to China. Um, I love this pavilion, even just wandering the exterior because it's, the pavilion itself is so well steeped in imagery and spiritual significance and storytelling of a culture and of people that dates back thousands of years. And sort of put it in perspective, the United States were just over 200 years old. The Chinese culture is exponentially longer. And it really helps to put that into perspective as you go through and see what this pavilion was inspired by. It was inspired by the Forbidden City and the Temple of Heaven, just like they are in the real city. The buildings are on opposite ends of the pavilion. And Chuck, one of the things I like about China is I think that this is one of the nations in World Showcase that most guests probably won't have the opportunity to experience in person. And I think that for me, one of the best parts of the pavilion is simply wandering past the gardens, getting a sense because gardening here, just like another pavilion we're going to talk about, is such a part of the history and tradition and this very sort of passive style of gardening and this loosely structured landscape is very important but while the landscape is very free-flowing there's so much detail and story and symbolism that you can find in the architecture as well absolutely and this is i think one one of the credits of the now former kim possible experience soon to be you know phineas and ferb and hopefully they maintain some of these these same elements where 
in China, you know, in the, if you went through the Kim Possible missions, at one point you were in the gardens. You had to go into the gardens and actually explore and, and discover different pieces and elements inside those gardens. So it forced you to head over in that direction. Now, you don't have to have Kim Possible or, or do the, the Phineas and Ferb uh, experience to be able to see these gardens. They're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. And it's another nice, quiet place to go and, and just you know, stop and reflect because you're in a theme park. And we all know how easily we can get into the hustle and bustle and rat race of a theme park. And to have these little kind of places to take a mental time out and just kind of frankly chill out and relax is is really nice and refreshing. One of my favorite places as far as a nook and cranny is inside. Uh, from just off to the left side of the of the temple, you can walk in and see some of the a reproduction of some of the old terracotta soldiers that were discovered in China. Now, these were soldiers that were created the originals that are still in China were created thousands of years ago. And now for me, and I love that exhibit and I love wandering through uh, and seeing the terracotta soldiers and getting and reading all the different plaques, not just sort of looking and taking pictures. So you get an understanding of how many there are and how large they were and the symbolism. Of it. But for me, the, the highlight and some of the nooks and crannies are ones that aren't found tucked away in corners, but maybe found even outside, looking at different elements of the architecture and trying to understand or talking to the cast members who can help explain about what that architecture represents. And again, we did a, a very detailed DSI, Disney Scene Investigation, of the China Pavilion on an earlier show that I'm going to link to in the show notes. But for me, I think my favorite nook and cranny, one of the things I like to bring the people into this pavilion to see is inside the Hall of Prayer of Good Harvest, inside that that Temple of Heaven, which is about half the size of the original in Beijing. Uh, in the back of the pavilion, obviously, it hosts the Reflections of China attraction, which is great. It's sort of a tour about the, uh, the, the history of China from sort of its ancient heritage to present day. But if you walk into the dome section of the Temple of Heaven, there's great significance in here, uh, both in color and in architecture. So there's 12 outer columns that support the roof, which represent the 12 months of the year, the 12-year cycle of the Chinese calendar. There's also four columns closer to the center, which represent the four seasons. They support a beam, which represents the earth, which is topped by a round beam, which signifies heaven. So there's, there's like in everything in Disney, there's, there's reason for not everything you see. But if you stand in the center of the room, right in the center of the dome, and speak, just look up and speak, it's an acoustically perfect room and you will hear your voice in a way you've probably never heard before and it's hard for me to articulate and I certainly couldn't even play a sound clip because you need to actually stand there and look up and speak in order to hear it and I promise you it'll be worth walking over the bridge into the temple of heaven just to hear how acoustically perfect that building is. But also you know as you you talk many a times look up because just seeing the ceiling itself is very ornate and uh, it's again something to really behold. Absolutely. So moving on, um, you know, I was going to mention Germany is the next pavilion across the way, but I think, too, we should probably mention the outpost. Uh, oh, yeah. Because I think the outpost is not only just a great place to get a frozen Coke, which is you know, a, but, a really great uh, cooling off treat, but there's some neat details in the outpost as well, too, that I think some adults would enjoy, some Coca-Cola fans would enjoy, and of, and of course, you were both parents of, of young ch- kids. I think there's a reason why our kids like to tuck in there as well. 
Oh, without a doubt. But before we even get to the outpost, if you're you happen to hit it in a certain time, the bridge there itself has some interesting features that you know. Ever wonder how the Illuminations Globe gets out into the lagoon? Well, it's through this bridge, and if you happen to hit it at the right time of of day, uh, you might actually see the globe. And this gives you actually a nice chance to see the globe up close and, and uh, in person as it kind of makes its way into the main part of the uh, the World Showcase Lagoon. So you know. You never know, you might watch that uh, drawbridge come up and kind of wonder what's up. Well, that's what's going on. But over in the outpost, uh, you know, again, this is something that my kids just can't help but do. Every time we walk by that outpost, they'll stop, and there are some, some African drums there. And you'll find them just banging away on those drums. Kids love to make noise. And the outpost is a great place for them just to, to frankly, have a little kid time, goof around, play around with some of the, uh, the instruments that are there and uh, some of the other... Uh, exhibits and pieces that are there in the outpost and just kind of have a little bit of fun for a minute. Yeah, I, I agree. And we've talked in the past about what was supposed to be there originally, the, uh, right. the Africa Pavilion that was heralded by Alex Haley uh, and, and Danny Kay and the original opening uh, show and, and TV special about uh, Epcot. We talked about it sort of our, our in our World Showcase It Never Was discussion earlier on. But let's move on down to Germany. And this, again, architecturally beautiful pavilion um this is one that again centers around this traditional bavarian plaza but like other pavilions i sort of think about it in terms of like other areas like in the magic kingdom like main street usa or liberty square it represents a lot of different architectural styles here it runs from the 13th through the 17th century in the center is that traditional statue of george the, the dragon slayer mm-hmm. uh, there is no attraction here, although we all know that there originally was supposed to be a Rhine River boat ride attraction, much like Mexico and Norway, focusing on German folklore. Um, the entrance wasn't to the left of where the pavilion was. You would have entered to where Summerfest was. And here's a little tidbit for you. If you walk into the pavilion as if you're going to Summerfest or if you're going to the beer garden, there's a huge mural on the right-hand side. That would have housed the giant double doors that would have taken you into the show building for the Rhine River attraction. But I digress. Uh, I think here, Chuck, we may look to other nooks. We may have some differing nooks and crannies here as to what we would want to sort of direct people to that maybe they wouldn't have seen before. But I'm going to let you go first because I have a feeling you're going to touch on one that may be obvious, but you shouldn't just sort of wander past. You should sort of walk through and take a very, very close look at. Well, that depends. Um, This particular nook and cranny is brought to you by my daughter. And so therefore, (laughs) that means there's a teddy bear involved. There are a lot of stiff teddy bears, uh, and there's a there's a shop that, that features many of them uh, off on the, I guess as you're approaching at the right side uh, of the pavilion, and again, towards the back in one particular store. And this is one nook and cranny. I believe this is also where the Kidcot location is presently. So you're going to see a number of different uh, teddy bears that are around uh, in this uh, particular part, and one that I can guarantee you we're at at least once, if not several times uh, a trip that we're, we're there. The other, however, that, that I particularly like is across the way and is in the Christmas shop uh, to see all of the German glass ornaments that are on display and a particular ornament that for for me and, and my family has a, a Germanic background, uh, we really appreciate it, and that's the Legend of the Pickle. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it's all about. you got to go to Epcot and got to go to the Germany Pavilion and read about the Legend of the Pickle and the Pickle ornament and why, at least in my house, you will find in every tree that we have, and there are quite a few trees, you will find a pickle ornament in every single tree. And I love, 
doing the same thing, having people go and find out, especially during the holidays, finding out, because I think that's a great time to learn again about the similarities and differences in cultures, about how the holidays are celebrated and what is actually celebrated, and the legend of the pickle tree. And it's interesting to, to know that you guys do the same thing, sort of have this uh, the, the pickle on your tree as well, too. But for me, I think a lot of people say, well, I, I know about the nook and cranny in Germany, right? You have to go and look at the miniature train display outside, which actually was never supposed to be mm-hmm. there. Why? Because that location was supposed to be home of the Spain Pavilion. Yep. But I digress. So for me... And, and you never know. I mean, you know, the Imagineers, same thing with the Outpost. You never know when things There's a lot change, of room. But there's a lot of room. There's room. There are only two pavilions that are, lo- that are located right next to each other. Every other pavilion has a space in between for potentially another pavilion. I'll let you see if you can figure out what two pavilions they are. But for me, and this is, I, I'm not kidding, because I think the, the treat, the sort of nook and cranny that some people might not go into for one reason or another, literally, pardon the pun, is Carmel Cucci. And I can't Oh, I was going to go there. I want to call it Carmel Cucci. I know that's not how it's pronounced, so please forgive me, all of you with the German heritage. Carmel Cucci. My mouth actually doesn't but it's it's a very old-fashioned style caramel kitchen that's actually what the name signifies and here werther's brand caramel treats and goodies and brownies and cookies are handcrafted right so from the brownies to the fudge to the cookies to the caramel apples and strawberries you can actually go there and watch them make it but what i think Mm -hmm. is fun is going in and watch as they're hand-making, I mean, literally, with their hands, they are making this incredible, warm, sweet, savory, and delicious caramel-covered popcorn. And yeah. it is a treat for the senses. It's a it's a, uh, an olfactory treat. It's a visual treat. You can talk to them. You can get a sample from them and learn more about it. And I think a lot of people, Chuck, might, again, if they're not in the mood for a snack or maybe they're not hungry, maybe they don't like caramel, maybe they're not, whatever it is, but if you walk in and look around and talk to them some more and they talk to you about the history of this caramel making and you get sort of that, uh, you know, your, your sort of little treat for your senses. And if you try the caramel popcorn, I promise you will not be disappointed. Um, it almost seems obvious walking into a store, but I think this is one of those nooks and crannies that not everybody might make a way into. But especially after dinner, right before illuminations, a little treat from here. There's something for everybody love as a little nook and cranny uh, the caramel cu- kitchen yeah, caramel, <laughs> caramel kusha. and here's my I, tip if you get a caramel apple they'll actually slice it for you so you don't have to worry about trying to dig in you can share mm-hmm. it while you're watching illuminations outside oh and those things are good and they're healthy oh, they are snapple, good so <laughs> never mind all the caramel that's around it but anyway we'll forget about that all right let's move on well there are, there are no calories at disney so there are okay. no cal- until you actually leave property the, the, when the calories kick in all right let's um, let's effect. move again to another opening day pavilion uh, i love this pavilion again because the architecture because of my personal heritage uh because i think it just visually is is a stunning pavilion exteriorly and this it is the italy pavilion Mm-hmm. And while it's very much evocative of different types of architecture from Florence and Rome, it really sort of dominated by Venetian-style architecture uh, modeled after the Piazza di San Marco, which is St. Mark's Square, the Doge's Palace, and the Campanile there. Again, about a fifth of the size of the original. Uh, modeled after the ones found in Venice, although the locations on the plaza, if you've ever been to Italy, you'll notice they're actually reversed, and that's for aesthetic reasons. If you're looking across to Italy, they wanted to sort of balance out against the pavilions next to it. Um, I think there's a lot of little 
nooks and crannies here because there's not a lot to do here because there are no attractions here. So here the attractions really are the food, the newly opened Tutto Italia, Tutto Gusto wine bar, beautiful architecturally and design-wise. Viennapoli is in the back as well. Look, still some of the best pizza in Florida. This is coming from New Jersey native. It's because of the water, trust me. Um, but there are a couple of other little nooks and crannies here. And I think some of them, again, like a lot of these pavilions, are found on the exterior and the architectures and some of the little details you can find there. But I think you and I have the same one here. And it's it's sort of, it's a thing to see, but it's almost really more of, the nook and cranny is almost more of a person. Well, yeah, there's there's a couple of nook and crannies here, and so you know, I'm not going to steal your thunder on this one. I'll I'll actually defer to you for the for that particular nook and cranny. The one I first thought about this, I kind of thought, okay, what's really the nook and cranny here for the Italy Pavilion? And for me, if if you follow my blog, you know I take just a few photos, like about a thousand uh, per trip. Italy to me is one of those attractions that just screams photography. You know, well, they all do, but Italy, in, in my opinion, is one of the few that really, really says, just take a picture of me, please. So one of the places that I like to go to is actually not in the pavilion itself. It's actually on the other side of the promenade, and that is the the, the little area that's right on the shores of the uh, of the lake so that you can watch reflections, but go the other direction and stand up on one of the two bridges that is in the uh, the Italy uh, area there and, and actually look back to the pavilion. It gives you a beautiful view of the pavilion. And it's a great photography location and get a good background uh, of the pavilion. You've got the tower in the background and all that, and it really sets itself up very nicely. Conversely, go just into the, to the base of the tower and you've got, you look across the, the World Shakers showcase lagoon and spaceship earth is so beautifully framed in uh some of the other decorations that are going on there uh, at the pavilion and so those two places to me are wonderful nooks and crannies for the photography uh as well now there is a particular uh, i'll call him an attraction i don't know Lou, i think he is the attraction uh in italy um you know, one more actually that, that does come to mind. You gotta visit the mask shop. And Lou, you've done a show previously about the the you know the creation of the Venetian masks, so I won't go too much into it. But but just seeing those masks uh, really is incredible. And, and that to me is the nook and cranny. He's recently been relocated from. If you're looking at the pavilion from the right hand side into the back, um, over by the uh, Tutto Italia side, and. I had a chance to meet and interview and spend some time with Giorgio, Giorgio Ircana. He's a Venetian mask artist who told a fascinating history of the mask and how they're made and the stories behind the masks, which really are wearable pieces of art. They're displayable, they're wearable, they're collectible as well, too. It's tucked in the back. A lot of times people might not, they might walk into the, to the front of the store, which has um, Italian jewelry, it's got perfumes and collectibles, things like that, but way tucked in the back is Giorgio, or maybe one of the other Venetian masks artists that is from Italy, who will show you and explain the process that goes into each of these masks which are made by hand. They're, each one is unique because they are hand decorated. Each one tells a story. Each one may be used through Italian history for a different reason. One may have been for display. One of may have been for a piece of art. Other times they were used 
as part of costumes, and they'll talk to you about some of the different the, the festivals that go on in Italy where these masks are used traditionally for. And I think here is one of those great opportunities. Oh, without a doubt. And it's part of, of Epcot is appreciating the craftsmanship and the various artisans that are coming over from each particular country. And to see what, what Giorgio can do with, you know, some frankly, some, some pretty simple materials to create such an incredible mask. And also the fact that it is so steeped in Italian history. For those folks, by the way, who collect... Uh, you know, various beads like, you know, the Pandoras, the Camillas and all that. And you hear about these beads called Murano, Murano glass. Over in the in the front part of that particular store, you're going to see a lot of different creations using that Murano glass, not necessarily the beads like you would put on the bracelets, but there's so much more that, that is made and created out of Murano that, you know, you'll be fascinated with, with all the different designs and different pieces. I agree. And and now I think the, with the opening of Tugusto, that's another potentially, and I haven't been there as yet, but I've seen some photographs and talked to some people who've been there. It is another very much tucked away nook and cranny in Italy. But let's move on. Let's move over to the American Adventure Pavilion coming up next. Next, uh, For me, I think it's arguably one of the most impressive and for, certainly for the show, emotional and inspiring and technologically advanced shows in all of Walt Disney World. It is my personal favorite. And I think here there are some nooks and crannies and Chuck I'm curious first to hear what you think or what was sort of what came to your mind first as a a nook and cranny or maybe a little hidden treasure of the American Adventure Pavilion well to set this story up you know being a native Virginian uh, history is is very steeped in Virginia history Uh, you know the the entire frankly much of the nation started in Virginia uh, with with Jamestown and Williamsburg and and then of course moving over to Washington DC so for for me a lot of this is uh, images of home. Uh, I have. I'm always drawn to. You know. Yes. I love listening to the voices of liberty. And and, and when they're in the the rotunda there in the American uh, uh, pavilion, that's it's wonderful to hear them. But they're not always out. And so when you're when you're not listening to voices of liberty over on when you enter on the right hand side, there is the American Heritage Gallery. Now, there are a lot of different little exhibits that are on display there. And these are, again, just little pieces of uh, American history. Some of these also, you know, if you're in Central Florida, which is very near the Space Coast uh, over on the eastern side of the state, you've got some some uh, bits of space memorabilia. Uh, the last time I was there, and again, this all can change. These these different exhibits kind of go in and out, so they may not be there anymore. It's been, been a little while since I've been to the American Heritage Gallery, but there were some uh, displays from uh, Gus Grissom and John Glenn when they went to the moon, uh, and John Glenn when he orbited around the the, uh, the country or around the world, around the globe. So this is I had the same thing as well, and I almost didn't go with this because I think the American Adventure Rotunda has its own little set of nooks and crannies because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go in and they sit and they wait or they queue up to go into the American Adventure show, maybe not taking the time to wander around, looking at the quotes, look at the beautiful artwork. Um, there's stuff in there from Sam McKinn. There's a great piece of um, art on the left-hand side that you should, you should ask and look for Lonnie. Lonnie will take you through and talk to you about uh, a great optical illusion that you can find in one of the pieces of artwork as well, too. But yeah, I think that the this, this sort of mini museum that you talked about, which is called National Treasure, it opened in September 2007. It reopened in 2010 with that name, again, obviously tying into the Disney films of the same name, same name. But I think what I like about this is 
it connects tangible things to the daily lives of some famous American. And I think what happens, Chuck, too, is I think people don't go in here because either they're queuing up, they don't want to lose their spot, they're watching the, or listening to the Voices of Liberty, and they and they should command, and they do command all of your attention. But I think because you have to go through the entrance to the American Adventure Rotunda in order to get to the gallery, a lot of people don't go there. Or a lot of people, I think, don't make a specific trip to there to walk through the American Heritage Gallery. And you can take as few as 10 minutes, or you can take a half hour, because there is a lot to see there. And they do update, they do rotate these exhibits. So if you are a fan of American history or, uh, you know, and look, Thomas Edison has three of his most famous inventions currently as we're recording. His original sort of phonograph, the tinfoil phonograph is there. There's a kinetophone, a kinetoscope is there. So if you are a movie fan, this is really where motion pictures uh, got their start. You mentioned too, Harriet Beecher Stowe, Frederick Douglass. Uh, You know, there's there's everything from simple letters that Frederick Douglass may have written to Abraham Lincoln to things like Benjamin Franklin and Mark Twain. It's everything from, you know, chairs that they sat on or letters that they wrote. The letter from Benjamin Franklin while he was an ambassador to France and he wrote uh, to help negotiate the Treaty of Paris is in there as well, too. And another one, which has a tie into the American Adventure, is Will Rogers. And the connection there is he was supposed to be the third host of the American Adventure when it was very in its early concepts. Um, You can find some of the things that he used every day, his boots and his saddle and his chaps and hats and lassos and things like that. So there are things that sort of connect them directly to these people. It's not just photographs. It's not a little movie. Uh, so you can go get a sense of that connection with them. And, and I really like this. I, I like this pavilion. I almost, you could almost argue that it should have its own entrance or it should have its own sign outside. So it would direct more people in there because I think it very much is overlooked. And I think that's why I, I agree with you. It qualifies as a nook and cranny. Oh, without a doubt. And I think it qualifies as a hidden treasure, as a, as a, uh, uh, a best of the best. I mean, it, it can qualify under so many different headings because it is something that I don't think gets the attention that not only does it deserve, but it's earned to be able to to see that. And as you said, very tangible. You know, these. You know, Ben Franklin's hand actually used a pen to write on the paper that you're looking at. There, it's not a recreation. It's not a scan. It's not on computer. It's the real thing. Yeah, and let's move on to this. I, I've said uh, time and time again, Japan. My favorite pavilion for for so many different reasons. Uh, We've talked about the history of Japan. We've talked about some of the food in Japan. For me, my nook and cranny is no secret. It's a place that you will often find me not necessarily just eating, but sometimes just sitting and watching and working. And it's all the way tucked in the upper rear of Japan next to the Katsura Grill. The Katsura Grill opened uh, in December 2011. Uh, sort of their take on Japanese comfort food in this old Japanese-style tea house. It's got indoor and outdoor seating for those like myself who enjoy the sounds of the traditional Japanese music and the waterfalls. And I think this Katsura Garden, for me, is the nook and cranny that I enjoy so much because it really, you can stroll through these gardens that are very much inspired by the original Katsura Imperial Villa, which is really considered a masterpiece of Japanese gardening. You can really get a sense of the tradition of Japanese gardening here. So you see it's got the pond, it's got the uh, sandy beaches and the bridges and the stone lanterns. 
this covered area with bamboo in the rear. It's a great place to sit. It's a great place to watch. It's a, I, I, I love Katsura Grill. It has now very quickly become one of my favorite counter service locations in all of Walt Disney World. And it is truly, if you get a sense of wandering through these gardens, which are very, very deliberate, right? As opposed to China, these are very deliberate. Everything, they're very well manicured. The, the raked gravel, the dried sand gardens, and the bamboo. Everything here has special symbolism, right? The, the rocks and the pools and the streams, uh, the water, sort of the life source, and the, the shrubs and the trees uh, really sort of helps to enhance the pavilion. So this area, tucked away in the back, it's a great place to sit in the shade, to get a snack, to listen to the waterfalls, to get a sense of the Japanese culture. Far and away, this is my favorite of all the nooks and crannies in World Showcase. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Disney is installing next week on one of the benches in the back. It just says reserved for Lou. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just going to be there. I mean, it's, I'm it's, there it's, anyway, so they might yeah, as well. Yeah, it's your spot. So I, I have to agree with you. This is also one of my favorite places to, to go. Uh, and again, it's very quiet. Uh, I love the, the pond that's there. And there's a great little hidden Mickey that's uh, in the pond. That's Go find it. It's, it's a fun little hidden Mickey there in the pond. Um, and Katsura Grill also is a wonderful uh, counter service place. I loved it back when it was at the Yakitori House, and now it's Katsura Grill, uh, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. This also, to me, is is one of the top, uh, probably of my top three uh, little nooks and crannies in all of, of World Showcase. Because like you, I think the Japan Pavilion is also wonderful. I will, however, also recommend it's and it's kind of a nook and cranny, and it's not at the same time. It's Mitsukoshi, but. It's not the front part of Mitsukoshi because I think a lot of people will walk into the front part um, because they're probably doing the Kim Possible Mission or, or soon to be Phineas and Ferb and seeing some of the things there. But they don't wander all the way towards the very back. And one of the little nooks and crannies that I like back there, and, and I'm not talking about the, the exhibits. You know, I think lately it's called Ten Toys, although it, it, it does change there, is the, the racks of chopsticks. Now, you might not think, oh, chopsticks, okay, whatever, they're chopsticks. Go back and actually look and talk to cast members about what it takes to make some of these more elegant chopsticks and the amount of lacquering and layering that has to be done to create some of these, really, they're almost works of art in a stick. Um, and, and you see some of them, they're just beautiful. I know it's, I know it's just chopsticks. But they're really incredible, and they're so ornate and so detailed. Now, you've got your very basic chopsticks that are fairly mass-produced that you, know, you can get for, for $8, $10, or whatever. But then you've got chopsticks that, uh, uh, no kidding, can be $100 or more. They're that ornate and that hand-created. They're absolutely beautiful. So, And the sake bar. Okay, move on to well, yeah, Morocco. The, the, the um Again, Morocco, visually stunning, a place that I think most of us can't go, divided into two sections, the Ville Nouvelle, sort of the new city, and the Medina, the old city. Chuck, I think we could spend an entire segment, and at some point I will, about Morocco, because this is the pavilion that is meant to be explored, because I think there's lots of new discoveries throughout the winding streets. There's entertainment from Moroccan to the belly dancers, there's a great selection of Moroccan goods and there's jewelry and clothes and brass and silver and rugs and stories to be shared with them as well. And this is the pavilion where for me, people I think walk by, they say, oh, there's no attraction, Moroccan food, too scary. To that I say, 
no, you need to try. Um, both Marrakesh and I think Tangerine Cafe has not only awesome shawarma, there's your Avengers connection, but one of the best values in property, the tea and the desserts in the back is a nook and cranny. But if you say no, there's, a, there's no attraction here, I say I think not because there are multiple. Because you can mm-hmm. go into the treasure, you can see the gallery of arts and history, which I think is very, very much overlooked. It looks just like a door on the outside, but inside uh, there is some beautiful uh, artwork in here. You can learn a lot about the culture and the history and the people of Morocco. You can go into the Fez house, which gives you a sense of a typical Moroccan-style home, and you can actually even take a free tour of Morocco called the Treasures of Morocco. It's 45 minutes long. It's educational, but it's fun. You can really learn a lot from them. Uh, and I'm going fast because we're going long, and I and I, and I could spend yeah. a, an entire segment on Morocco because each of the stores, each of the, the restaurants has their own little set of nooks and crannies in there as well. In, in my opinion, really, unfortunately, I think Morocco itself is kind of a nook and cranny because you're right, so many people will walk right by it. And I think for many of us who are of American or European nature, it just seems so foreign and so unfamiliar. And so we're kind of like, well, not so sure about that. Go right in, go and explore. That's the whole point of why it's there. So go in and see some of the various goods, see some of the various uh, items that are not just all for sale, but also just as you said, the architecture, uh, everything like that. Uh, it's, it is a beautiful pavilion. Also, Speaking of photography, this is photographic nirvana. There's so many little beautiful details uh, there to go and experience. There's a wonderful mural in the back um, that's part of the uh, Aladdin Jasmine meet and greet, especially when it's raining. Uh, the mural itself is just beautiful to look at, to say nothing about you know if the characters are around. So take your time and just you know, explore the Morocco Pavilion. There you go, the whole thing. I agree. And so moving on to France, I think, Chuck, for a lot of people, when you think of France, you think of art and charm and Paris. And for me and a lot of people, I think it's food. And I think here at Epcot, it's a great opportunity to sort of go back in time because France really is represented. In this, Paris is represented during this uh, La Belle Epoque, sort of this, this beautiful time from around 1890 to the start of the First World War in 1914. And there's so much to see, not just in Impressions of France, but the gardens and the shops and the architecture and the culture and the history and of course the food and there's La Chefs de France the boulangerie patisserie which is, is getting a, uh, a major renovation and expansion coming soon but for me Chuck and I go I know this is not something that you could necessarily go to every single time you're there but I think one of the nooks and crannies and it's because a lot of people don't go often is actually Bistro de Paris if you are a food connoisseur, if you're a wine connoisseur, it offers an amazing wine list, a sort of creative modern twist on French cuisine. But what I love about here is how formal the decor is when you get upstairs. It really signifies the more formal side of this beautiful time during the, the around the turn of the century in France. Uh, it's one of the few restaurants in World Showcase that's located on the second floor. See if you can name the other ones. So the views of the park, especially during illuminations, if you can get a view by the window, are spectacular. Uh, there's lots of little neat details in there as well, too. Even the napkins are folded to look like they're a gentleman's coat. So it gives you a sense of heightened elegance in a turn-of-the-century type of setting. 
Uh, and I think it is somewhat of a nook and cranny because you can't necessarily go up there. You can't just sort of wander up there unless you have a reservation for lunch or dinner. But I think it is a place that you should go and you should explore and you should check out because I think it gives you a unique look at France and a unique look at Epcot and World Showcase coming from the second floor. It's a wonderful restaurant. I personally have not had the opportunity yet to dine at Bistro Paris, uh, but I'm looking forward to it uh, very, very soon. That being said, it's one of those that I think sometimes parents shy away from because they think, oh, well, it's kind of high-class, high-dining French cuisine. The kids aren't going to like it. Probably not the case. You know, So give it a shot and give it a try because you'd be surprised at, at how much you think that you know, kids will actually appreciate uh, the type of dining there. Uh, at Bistro, uh, at uh, yeah, Bistro de Paris, uh, or even, of course, downstairs at Chefs de France. Uh, marinated tuna, marinated tuna. Oh yeah, beef tenderloin and warm chocolate and almond cake. Just order it now, get the wine pairing, and you're done. Off you go. There I'll you go. go there. All right, moving on uh, to reservations for us is next week, right? I, we, we should do it. You and I next time you come done. down, we're gonna have to go to the bistro. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go to bistro. We'll do that. Awesome. Uh, although I will mention again another photographic thing: um, the the fountains there, beautiful at night. They're lit. Great little just kind of place to sit and chill for a little bit. I agree. I agree. Each Listen, that sort of the little kiosk with the sort of surrounding necklace of trees out there, beautiful, yep. something you would have found right in the, in the center of the city. Uh, I'm with you. All right. Yeah, and actually, you know, there's one more. As we, as we go in between France and the U.K., as you go across the bridge, there's a little area that's down below. A lot of times it's closed off for dessert parties, but if it's not, another great little place to sit and just kind of be away from the, the hustle and bustle of the promenade. I agree. I agree as well too. And uh, if you've ever been to an illuminations party or have a chance to see illuminations from down there, unique spot to watch the fireworks as well too. I think uh, the UK pavilion, um, the the English gardens, and this is for a, what a lot of people they think in the back of the pavilion. For me, Chuck, when I think of the UK pavilion. I very much sort of think of the the Liberty Square section of the Magic Kingdom because here as you wander through the pavilion, you once again are taking that journey through time. And you'll notice how the tea caddy shop represents the 1500s. It's modeled after Anna Hathaway's cottage. The Queen's table goes to the 1600s and you go to the 1700s in the Queen Anne room. You go to the 1800s in the Lord of Lady shop, then back to the 1500s in the Toy Soldier. We did a walk through the UK Pavilion. Again, I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well, too, with people from the UK. I think there's a lot of nooks and crannies here. And my first inclination was to say that the Rose and Crown Pub is almost a nook and cranny of itself because there's a lot of different styles of pubs in here. Then uh, I was, that was saying, actually well, went right there. That was exactly what I was thinking about was Rose and Crown. Rose, then I said, okay, well, that's too broad. It's too broad of a stroke. And then I said, well, the nook and cranny is right up in front. And the nook and cranny is, again, a person because it's the hat lady. And she's a pianist and she's a singer and an amazing entertainer. We've talked to uh, a friend of the hat lady in the past before. I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of adults and kids going into the pub to go and see her. But for me, because I'm trying to think in terms of nooks and crannies and out-of-the-way places and things not on the map. For me, it's the Butterfly Garden, where uh, so off to the left-hand side, behind the um, the tea caddy shop, mm-hmm. there is uh, a little section there where herbs are grown and flowers are out there, and there's a little butterfly box where the butterfly co- cocoons are protected until they hatch. It's a great thing to bring kids over to go see, especially when you see a butterfly starting to emerge from its cocoon. It's a little bit of a nook and cranny because it's not something found on a map, um, but I'm curious to hear what yours would be. 
well, that was one of them too. Rose and Crown was the other. Um, I'm starting to feel like Tim is still in my thunder here. But uh, <laughs> another that that also was fun, and it's a little, truly a little nook and cranny, and there are a couple of them. But are the red telephone boxes? Because for us, we don't really, you know, in the United States, we don't see these kind of things all that often anymore. But they're very classical. Uh, pieces of of english culture and english history and, and english pop culture so to enjoy and just kind of take pictures with the red telephone boxes uh is, a, is another little nook and cranny to uh to see and experience because it's something that's just totally different than what you'll see uh anywhere else around here the other place that i also like uh, is inside the tea shop uh, you know we are we are tea fans we enjoy a lot of drinking a lot of tea and so to be inside and see everything uh, that is available for Twinnings uh, is a, is really cool to see uh, inside the, the tea shop. All right, so rather than me steal your thunder on our last pavilion around the promenade, tell me what your favorite nook and cranny is. Your sort of little area, a little hidden treasure of the Canada Pavilion. Well, it's not so little, uh, and it's it's very visible, and it's right up front, but it is the Victoria Gardens. Um, you know, they're very beautiful. You go ahead and and walk on down. Yes, as you're walking, you see it says, you know, La Cellier, and you might think it's the entrance to La Cellier, and that's the only people who can go down there are people who are going to La Cellier. Far from the truth. Go. Walk on. Because that's also where you're going to find the Kid Cut stop once down at the outflow area of the O Canada um, film. But I love the Victoria Gardens in Canada. I think they're absolutely beautiful. But there is one other, though, and, and to me, it's, it's kind of a head-scratcher because part of it is well why go up there unless you're going to to see O Canada but that's at the very top level of the Canada Pavilion before you go down just to see all the rock work mm-hmm. that is done there uh, you know and that's all you know, of course created rock and and very well done rock work at that um, you know oftentimes I'll go up there and just kind of look at it and see if frankly I'm looking for hidden Mickeys to see if maybe there's one I just haven't caught somewhere but the, that rock work up top is also just just beautiful yeah, and that for me was, I had an, a different one, and then it was going to be, I thought, too obvious and too cliche for me because it was in a restaurant. But it was. It's the rock work and that 30-foot-tall waterfall and those that canyon that you can mm-hmm. sort of go down into. I think a lot of people, Chuck, don't go down there. And you can get a sense of this this mine shaft that actually houses the pavilion and, and really get a sense of how different that is from what you see at the front with the totem poles and the Hotel du Canada and how a whole different area of Canada is represented the deeper you go in. I think that's the point of the segment is, is asking people to go a little deeper into these yes. pavilions and fi- and discover different things, whether it's story, architecture, culture, whatever it may be. The other one that I was, was going to say was obviously Le Cellier. And the reason why was not because of the cheddar cheese soup or the pretzel bread, although they are phenomenal as well, but because of how well this restaurant is designed because it's meant to reflect and, and represent a the warm, very intimate decor that you wouldn't necessarily feel in a wine cellar because that's where you are. You're meant to be in a wine cellar, hence the name, Le Cellier. But if you notice the wide variety of selections of wines that are in these, these heavy wood and glass cases that line the wall, and because of the lighting that they have to use in there, it does give a great sense of of warmth and intimacy it's a small restaurant the ceilings are very low you may have never really noticed but because it's a cellar there's no windows so there is no ambient light in there that 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 decor and theming stays the same way all the time and this actually brings me back 
to another one that I wanted to mention that I, you know, I almost put on my list, but I didn't. But for that same reason, and when you, you so we, if you go back to Germany, we talked about Mexico and how it, it you walk into the pavilion and that sense of space. Germany in the beer garden has very much that same type of thing. That this not only it's Oktoberfest yes being celebrated all year long, but it gives you this sense of an exterior nighttime setting and courtyard. And so it's not a nook and cranny because it is the pavilion. It is the restaurant, but it's so very well themed as to what it's made to look like. So I think that uh, Mexico, I think that Germany, I think that uh, Canada do very well as places to make sure you go and see, not necessarily looks and crannies, but because how well these venues are laid out and the mood and the setting that they create by ambient light, by non-ambient light, by lighting. And I think, Mex- I think, uh, sorry, uh, La Cellier in Canada is another one of those great examples. There's a reason why it is still one of the most popular ADRs in all of Walt Disney World. You know, the, in food, theming, really the whole package. And so, you know, La Cellier is still incredibly popular and, and that's why. So you know, if you get the chance, do La Cellier. Um, you will, you will greatly appreciate the fact that you did. And the poutine may not have real cheese curds, but it's still awesome. We call them disco fries in New Jersey, but it's poutine in Canada, and it is phenomenal. And look, Chuck, this segment went long, and I think because a we're very well, it passionate could have gone about twice it. as long. We could have too. gone twice as long, and and I apologize for for going long, but the the goal was to hopefully turn people on to things that they may never have seen or thought about before. They may have been to Epcot a hundred times and may never gone to some of these areas because they didn't think there was anything to see there or they thought that they've seen it all. So the hope is that you will, again, like I said about Animal Kingdom, put down the map and say, you know what? Let's just spend a couple of hours wandering World Showcase. Let's see what we can discover. Let's see what we can find either that we covered today or there's a lot that we didn't. You know, there's a lot that we didn't cover. We could have gone individual segments on each of these pavilions, and it's something that I'm in a process of doing, you know, doing DSIs in the pavilions. I'm going through pavilions with people from those countries. We've done um, UK, and we've done Norway in the past. We've brought people from that country, and they've joined me as on a walking tour talking about how close these pavilions are to real life. So if you are from... France, Morocco, Italy, wherever it may be, and you want to join me on a, on a segment, please email me. Maybe we'll wander the pavilion someday. But I, I think, Chuck, such care was put into by Imagineering, by these host pavilions, by the sponsors, by the cast members to help convey a lot of the culture and the heritage and the passion that they have for wanting to share that with other people, that there is a lot that's not found in a guidebook or on a map or somewhere that's written and that's the goal of the segment that's the goal of inviting you to take the time and explore these countries on your own it, absolutely it is a permanent world's fair that was the whole intention back when epcot uh, was was first created uh the current version of epcot uh, you know not walt's vision of a city um whole different segment but this whole idea of a permanent world's fair for someone to come together and see and experience different elements from different pieces of the world is is what it's all about. And notice that we've gone and we've spent you know more than an hour now almost talking about 
different pieces of and different elements of, of Epcot, and we haven't discussed one attraction. We haven't been on any attractions at all. And you can do that. You can literally go around the world and experience the culture, experience the food, experience the cuisine of all of these different countries and not go on one ride or go watch one film. You can do it all and really learn and experience um, so much and, and not do anything that practically do anything that was on the map. Right. And it's, and look, it's, it's not an attraction per se, but I guarantee this, this will be worth your time to spend time reading the plaques and looking at the cases and talking to the cast members and trying to get an understand of the identity of these people, whether it's individual or as a whole. Get a sense in the pavilions of the different areas that are represented. You know, we talk about things like Canada. Canada's a huge place, and a lot of, of different provinces are represented there, from, you know, the Northeast to the Chateau-style hotels. So there's a lot to get a sense from there, and, and I promise that you will not be disappointed if you did take the time and look to see what you can discover. And I want to hear also from people, too, about what they have found. What are some of their favorite nooks and crannies? Because I know that we haven't touched on them all. I know we did miss a lot because there were more on my list that we just didn't get to because we were talking about them, you know, in such detail. So I invite you, if you're listening, to share your favorite nook and cranny, your favorite sort of undiscovered little hidden place or hidden detail in any of the World Showcase pavilions. You can uh, post them in the show notes for this week's show. Visit wdwradio.com, click on this week's show, leave them there in the comment section. We'll continue this conversation there, and please help introduce some of us to maybe some things we haven't discovered in the past. I'm also going to link there to disneydaddy.blogspot.com. That is where Chuck Leinberger blogs all the time. Lots of great stuff for visiting Walt Disney World solo with your family, undiscovered things to do, uh, sharing photos, tip Tuesdays, whatever it may may be. Uh, Chuck, you know, I always enjoy doing these segments with with you. I look forward to uh, a little Bistro de Paris and seeing you you guys on your next trip. Absolutely. We'll we'll be looking forward to seeing you and, and talking to you again very soon. Awesome. Thanks again. Anytime. Favorite pavilion in World Showcase? Oh, man, you're asking me like a favorite child now. Come on, you know but, you have one, you just don't want to say it out loud, but they're not listening. I, I got to go with you, though. It really is Japan. I mean, it, it really is It's time once again for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I'll ask you a little bit about Walt Disney World trivia or history, maybe play a random sound clip or quote a line from a show or an attraction, and ask you to identify where in the world you may have heard that clip. I'll then randomly select a winner from all the correct entries for a Disney prize package. And before we get to this week's trivia question, let's look back at last week's and choose our winner. So last week on the show, we talked about the Country Bear Jamboree and its fun, funny music all of which tells a story about those who perform it. And one song, All the Guys That Turn Me On, Turn Me Down, is sung by the Sunbonnet Trio, a set of triplets that hails right from the sunshine state of Florida. And so the question for you is simply to name the three bears that makes up the Sunbonnet Trio. And again, all of you pretty much got this correct. They are Bunny, Bubbles, 
and Beulah. And what you were playing for was a two-part prize package, the first of which was all six of my audio tours of Walt Disney World on digital download, and the other, because it's still Star Wars Weekends, was a pack of a Disney Star Wars figure collector's pack, Series 9. Each one includes three miniature Star Wars-themed figures, and there's also Disney packs and Pirates packs, Pixar packs as well. Fun little collectible that you can also display or trade as well. And this week's winner, randomly selected from all the correct entries, is Rob Allen. So, Rob, congratulations. Please send me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. To all of you who played and didn't win, thank you so much for playing. And again, as always, don't worry, because if you didn't win last week, here's your chance to play with this week's question. I mentioned on this week's show, one restaurant in World Showcase that's located on the second floor of the pavilion. So this week's question asks you to name each of the other World Showcase sit-down restaurants that's located on the second floor of the building, including the one I already gave you. Simple question. Just name the restaurants located on the second floor of their pavilions. Email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. You have until 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, June 3rd. Again, emailing it to contest at wdwradio.com. This week, I'll also draw a one random winner for our prize package that includes all six of my audio tours to Walt Disney World on digital download, which you can get, by the way, over at www.radio.com in the shop or on iTunes, and also a $25 Disney gift card so you can go out to World Showcase and, en- and enjoy some of the food or help you sort of discover some of the things we talked about on this week's show. Again, 11.59 p.m. Sunday, June 3rd to contest at WDW Radio. Good luck. And have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Also, big special thanks go out to all of those who have served in our armed forces and for their families as well. Your sacrifices are remembered each day by me and my family, and we are forever grateful. Don't forget, please come by. Visit the website over at wdwradio.com. Leave your comments there about this week's show, your thoughts about some of World Showcase's nooks and crannies. While you're there, be sure and check out the WDW Radio blog. Lots of great articles from a variety of different guest contributors as well. There's also contests, polls, and lots more going on there. Check out our events page for more information about upcoming Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World, our event in New York City coming up in just a couple of weeks, and our American Adventures Club event kicking off Epcot's 30th anniversary in September. Don't forget, too, I want to hear from you so you can come by, comment on the show, talk to other Disney fans on our discussion forums. You can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. You can call the voicemail. Be heard on the air, 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Please come by. Follow me on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangello. And subscribe to my profile over on Facebook. I am facebook.com slash wdwradio. If you visit the website, you can also find out my Pinterest page, Google+, LinkedIn as well. Be sure and come by every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, especially if you've never tuned in before, for our WDW Radio Live and the WDW Newscast. Every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, I broadcast live, sometimes from my studio, usually right from Walt Disney World, where we get a chance to talk with you in an interactive discussion, video broadcast, 
and chat about this week's Walt Disney World news, usually hanging out afterwards and just uh, casual Disney conversation as well. You can also find the video on the blog, the audio in the iTunes feed, and on YouTube as well, too. And if you hadn't subscribed, please come by, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be posting a lot more videos, I promise, in the coming weeks as well. I just posted our recap from the first weekend of Star Wars Weekend. You can check out the Hyperspace Hoopla, watch me get frozen in carbonite, have a great interview coming up this week as well. Definitely stay tuned for that. Big thanks always to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel. I love them because that's who I use. Whether you're going to Disneyland, Walt Disney World, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line, or anywhere else in the world, Becky and her team of agents give you the best possible prices, outstanding service, all at no additional cost to you. You can check them out at mousefantravel.com. When you're coming to Disney World, you've got a couple of options, right? You want something a little bit bigger? Maybe your own private pool and spa and game room? Maybe you want to take a little extended vacation? Visit allstarvacationhomes.com. If you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World, you know I love eating at Blue Zoo and Shula's and the Fountain and Il Molino and Kimono's. And when I used to come up here, I'd stay at the Swan and Dolphin because of their heavenly beds. A lot of extra great services as well, too. Visit them over at swananddolphin.com. And to get some Disney magic delivered right to your door, you can subscribe to or order back issues of Celebrations Magazine over at celebrationspress.com. Or if you want to take Celebrations with you on your iPhone or iPad, visit wdwradio.com slash celebrations. It'll take you right to iTunes. We can order back issues or subscribe as well. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, and I hope to get a chance to meet you in the future. If you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook or Pinterest or Google+. Subscribe to and comment on the videos over on YouTube.com slash Radio. And please come by. Really appreciate if you would go to iTunes and rate and review the show there as well. So until next time, thank you again to all those who've served. Thank you for taking the time and listening in each and every week. Don't forget to, to start taking steps towards pursuing your passion and doing something that you love each and every day. And don't focus on eating the whole elephant. Just enjoy the little bites along the way and eventually you will reach your goal, I promise you. Thanks again. Remember, Walt was right. Always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. Marissa or Mini Girl 1999 4612, you know, uh, on the forums and on chat. Just wanted to say that I will be leaving, will be my family, will be leaving tomorrow to go make the voyage down to, or make the trek down to Cape Canaveral, and we will be getting on the Disney Fantasy. I am super excited. Um, I've been decorating or getting stuff ready to decorate my door, kind of an homage to what you did on your Disney Dream Cruise. Uh, I will send pictures because I'm really excited about it. But I'm super excited. It's going to be so much fun. Thanks for all that you do. The show has really helped get me excited for this trip that we're going to have. All I've been talking, it's all I've been talking about for three weeks. Haven't really focused on my schoolwork. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm done with that. So thank you so much. Have a great summer. Have a great uh, week. And see ya. Hello, Lou. This is Justin from New York. And I've got to say, that I enjoyed last week's show, which was 275, of the Country Bear Jamboree. Of course, Big Al, big fans, too. But at least they, the Country Bear Jamboree, a huge favorite show of mine. And back in the day, it wasn't actually Pepsi. It was Pepsi-Cola, which that sponsors of both Pepsi and Coca-Cola, and, of course, another sponsorship as well. 
And to me, that I really, what I really enjoyed was that they really enhanced the audio, audio, and like what Ryan Ryan Wilson said to you before, that the their fur has been grown. And to me, I think the Bears have really been such a great perform performance. Of course, it will. And, and you just said a question which says last week that said, should the country bear jamboree stay its original? classic form or be updated for a new generation. Of course, my thought is that they're not going to do anything like they happened to Disneyland because they switched it over to, I know, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And to me, I think it should stay that way, not for a new generation. No song, no new songs or anything. It's still classic, still, still 40 years of Walt Disney World. And before I go, I just wanted to say congratulations on your son's communion. I'm very proud of and everything. All right, Lou, you take care now, and hope to see you out in New York next Saturday. Until then, Lou, see ya. Okay. Yeah!